it is about being brave enough to shoot something. And I seriously would say go and shoot it on your iPhone. I really would. If you've got a project that's your baby and you know you need 10 million, just put it to the side. Don't even go there yet. If you've not directed something, then you need to get and direct something. So don't worry about that big project that you really want to work on and this is the one that's going to make it. No, no, write something else. Write something that allows you to go and shoot something on your iPhone with a couple of friends for 10 minutes. This is LA's Good For You Tencel Town, a podcast about the art, science and business of filmmaking. Each week we bring you untold stories from the people who make Los Angeles the global capital of entertainment industry. Join us for your Hollywood 101. So you want to make a movie? It can be easier than you think. On this week's episode, we chat to Elizabeth Blake Thomas, an award-winning director who directed and produced eight features, that's full-length movies, in a space of three years. So in Hollywood, filmmakers tend to wear multiple hats and you've, um, you've written 15 screenplays, directed seven features and produced both features and, and, and short movies. How would you even describe yourself? Are you a director, writer, I'm producer? I'm an anomaly. Anomaly. No, I'm an alien. That's what we are with these visas, aren't we? I'm an alien of extraordinary ability. Um, I, I definitely say I'm a director. That, that would be my first thing. I, I have no problem having the term producer used, but that's not what I want to be. I'm a director. So I have the vision. I write a vomit draft, give it to someone who's better than me, and then I direct it. How long have you been doing it for now? Well, you know, it's exactly three years. Exactly three years this month. Um, but before then, I was a theatre director. So I have been part of theatre since I was like five years old. And I set up my own theatre company in England, um, travelled with the, the company. But as far as the film, yeah, we're three years. How did you even get into this? <laughs> I know everybody asks me that. Well, I will say it's down to my ex-boyfriend because he's a director and he said to me um, that I should be a film director. And I said, oh my gosh, I, I, that sounds great. How do you do that? And he said, you just say you're a director. So I did. I mean, it was that simple from a mental state. You know, and we talk about that. And, and I think the current climate allows people to not laugh at that anymore. I think five, ten years ago, maybe people would have thought, well, that's just silly. You can't just say something. But with all our mindful books now and everybody putting things out there and asking it is given, you know, you can say something and, and you can shift yourself. So I literally shift my mental process um, and I, I, I found somebody to fund a film. <laughs> okay, let's talk more about that. So um, did you have something already written and you approached somebody to to do a movie with you or what happened? So I, is my daughter, Isabella, has been an actress since she was five as well, actually. And she was in a movie uh, in Texas and I kind of get to know people when I'm on set with her and I collect people and I like people and I get to know them. And I'd remembered that this lady who had a location had said that she wanted to do something with Isabella and I in the future. And, and I just kept it in the back of my mind. So when I decided to be a director, I thought, okay, well, maybe this is the lady to approach. Maybe she'll, I don't know, give 5,000. I literally knew nothing. I knew, I'm not trained. I've never been to film school. So I thought, well, 5,000 sounds quite a, a lot of money to make a film. I don't know. So I turned up at her ranch with my, my ex-boyfriend at the time, Sean, and we stayed there. And from that moment to the end of my shoot was seven weeks. So turning up, her telling me an idea, me writing it, and I'd never written anything, looking at the locations on her on her um, 
space that she had in in uh, Albuquerque, actually. It was just outside Albuquerque in New Mexico. She lived in Texas and New Mexico. And she... Um, she said, yeah, great, let's do it. And I said, okay, I can shoot this in four weeks. I'll get a crew together. I'll get some people. And, and we, we shot it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish everybody could see Susanna's face right now. <laughs> you had no formal training in directing. Did you, did you read any books? Did you... No, no. And I think that was the best thing actually about it because I wasn't formally trained because I find that if you do know and you've been told these rules, you'll stick to them. Whereas I hadn't been told any rules. So my director training from plays and from theatre, I know actors, I know cast, I know how to get emotions across. That's my favourite thing to do. So I knew I could get that across and convey that. And then I do this thing where I watch the movie in my head. So I go to bed with the script in my head and I see it all play out and then I just guess where that camera needs to be in order for me to get those shots that I need but what was so amazing by not knowing what I could and couldn't do I'm so proud of that first film and actually the problem was as I started to be told you can't do that that's a rule you can't do this 180 malarkey or whatever I, I started to stick to rules and think oh I'm not allowed to do that I learned a lot when we edited and I learned you know all the things of why you do it but nowadays you can do whatever you want You know, I could go and shoot on an iPhone if I wanted to. That is so true. <laughs> so do you think that um, this lack of film school education is detrimental to your career in Hollywood or is it actually helping you? Well, I would never say uh, to somebody who's at film school that they shouldn't be there. And maybe my film school has been these three years. So I would actually discuss what element of film school is useful. For me actually shooting seven feature films and doing it for real, doing it properly and experiencing that has probably taught me a lot more than sitting in a classroom and being told what you can do because there's nothing better than just actually doing something. We all know that. You can learn how to start a business, but unless you actually do it, you don't know. So I would say I'm very happy I didn't go to film school. <laughs> what do you think is the most important thing um, for all the aspiring directors out there? Is there a quality that they, they should have? Yeah, yeah, tenacity. Because um, you cannot give up. Also, I worked out the other day that I, I, I thought to myself, I'm sure I've never had a no from anybody. And then I worked out, well, I must have had a million no's, but I never see them as a no. I just see them as, a, okay, well, then I need to improve that or do that better or how can I get them to, to like it? So I think if you're going to be a director, you need to have your tenacity and understand longevity. You have to be in this for the long haul. You can't just expect to do it in a, in a year's time, two years. Uh, connecting with people, networking, that is just huge. I take people out for lunch nearly every day. Every day I'm meeting people, three or four people new a day. So sometimes I have to shut myself away if I'm writing or working on something. And then I think um, being frugal, actually. I have just funded my last film myself and I made a choice to say, okay, that's either a, a holiday or I'm shooting a film. So that's what I did. And I've just moved on to my boat, which allows me to save a lot of money. How do you choose projects that you work on? Is it mostly you've got a piece of work that, that you've created and you want, to, you want to film or do people approach you? Well, it's a mixture now, but I would say 
I am filled with too many ideas, actually. I have an idea, I write it down, I work on it. And, and generally, those are what I've made so far. So I, I still have another 10, 15 ideas written in my book that I'm going through and writing and working on. And then I've actually just been given my first project that I've been asked to direct in Florida. Uh, that's a love story, shooting that over the next couple of months. And that's, um, that's very cool to be asked to direct something. And I've had other people interested in me now. That level, that's changed. But... I do like my own stuff. I love having that vision from the very beginning to the end. So where do your ideas come from? Oh, that's a good one. Where do my ideas come from? Life experiences, as well as because I have a daughter who has been able to play certain ages, I've come up with characters that she can play or I've come up with things that I'd like her to watch or I've sat there as a mum and gone, oh, there isn't something like this for my daughter of this age and I've created that or, um, and actually, yeah, being a single mum as well, I feel there need to be stories told from that um, angle. But I think it's about finding stories that resonate with me. I probably would never, well, I know I wouldn't. I wouldn't write a horror. A kid's horror was the extreme I did because I don't like them. I don't want my daughter to watch them. I don't watch them. And there's obviously, that's really stupid because it's a huge genre and makes a lot of money, but it's just not me. Okay, let's talk about money. You moved onto your boat. Um... We've got Avengers Endgame coming out this week, and uh, what I'm hearing is on track to make close to $1 billion at the box office, 300 I think, in the US alone, at the budget of $400 million. So I could have made 400 movies. Okay, I'm just putting it out there. That was my next question. <laughs> How much does it cost to make a movie? So I, it's a very interesting question, because it depends where it's set, who's involved, um, whether you're able to work with friends. So, for example, the um, second film I shot was actually 30K. It's available on Amazon. It's called Pretty Outrageous. It's a kids' girl band movie. Looking at how much that cost me, um, I would prob well, I would never try and shoot that level of film with that many cast and that many locations at that budget again. I, I managed it and everybody joined in and we had a great time. Uh, but... For 30K, you could still shoot um, a couple in a house, a feature film, well-written, and have a crew of 10 to 15 people and shoot for a week. You know, you could do that easily. But I think if you're looking at a nice amount for, let's say, a film that is a crew of 30, a couple of locations, again, not too many cast, you can do it for, you know, 200, 250 upwards. But again, it just depends what you can get for free. And that pressure sometimes is really exhausting. I really look forward to that moment where, even though it might be a waste of money from my budget perspective, that I can get the legit permit with the legit police. And I'm not shooting going, oh my gosh, we're going to be kicked out. Oh my gosh, we're going to get into trouble. Because that releases such a pressure from you. So I think it's a waste of money, but you have to do it. So yeah, I, I don't know, a nice amount. I'd never do anything for less than 250 really. Where do you get that money from? Mm, that's the million dollar question. <laughs> I get asked that all the time. I'm actually doing a, um, a, um, a class on a, for a company called Digital Hollywood and, uh, and it's on financing. And I know that everybody's going to ask that. And I think my answer, is it's simple, but it doesn't mean that it's going to happen easily. The answer's simple, but it 
doesn't just happen, is finding the right person that wants to fund that project. So my first project was because a lady wanted to be a producer. So she wanted to do this and get her kids involved in the in the crew aspect. So she was very willing. We were in her location. She she was part of it. The second project was because I managed to get a group of people together that wanted their kids to be in a feature. And they were all actors and I'd all I trained them all so I knew they were good. So we all came together. Somebody from that project then wanted to fund the next three films based on a variety of reasons. So it's about finding the right people that want to be part of your project. And some people just want to make money back. So, you know, you can find them too. How do you make money back on your on your movie? Again, longevity. I, I would never say to someone, yeah, yeah, you're going to get this back in a year, two years. That's not going to happen. Unless you've got a huge studio behind you or somebody that's going to do a theatrical release maybe or, or you've already got distribution. If you're an indie filmmaker like myself, I would never promise someone that they're going to get the money back. Uh, they've got to do it because they want to do it. And then over time it can. And for example, let's say I've shot a film and there's a, a an actress in it that isn't anybody and then suddenly she gets a big job. Well, then everyone's going to want to buy that film. So it's just a, a luck of the draw. Again, tenacity, volume of work. If I just shot one film, and in all honesty, I still could be on that one, you know. So as I said, I only started shooting it three years ago. And uh, I could still be here going, oh, I've got to improve this. I've got to make that better. And instead, I just went on to the next one and the next one and the next one. Let's talk about festivals, because I know that you just had one of your movies featured at the um, LA Festival. Uh, Golden that? State Film Festival. Golden, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was screened at the Chinese Theatre and uh, beautiful theatre, as we all know. And I actually managed to get, uh, I, I won the Best Family Feature. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, it was rather lovely. And it was a big surprise. Um, it, I, I, festivals are great. Again, all levels of everything. So what I try to get people to understand is when you start out, there are certain things that you need to do. Then you go up to the next rung of the ladder. And that's different stuff. And so, so depending on where you are in your timeline of learning and growth, every film festival, if you're just starting out, you should go to every film festival. You should be on going to every panel, networking, meeting people. Because I remember being under three years ago, two and a half years ago, going to a panel and I was listening. And now, within a year, I was on the other side. So festivals are great for getting that inspiration, for meeting people, which is why I try to go to them, because I know how brilliant they were when I was starting out. Um, as far as entering your films and getting distribution, again, it depends which ones you're entering, you know. I'm not going to get distribution by entering a smaller festival around here. I do need to go to Sundance. I need to go to these bigger places. Um, so it depends what rung you're on, really. So which festivals would you actually recommend that people should go to? Well, I think um, the ones that I've been to where I've had the most success of meeting people or just an enjoyable experience are the first one I went to was World Fest in um, Houston, Texas. They were lovely. They looked after me. I met some great people there. That's where I'd go if I was just starting out. I think that's a really good one. Then I would go to something like Cinequest in San Jose. Again, great people that run it. They really look after you. You get to meet some interesting filmmakers. It's not too far, um, for obviously, for people in L.A. And, it, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed going to that one. And then I think if I was to go to the next level up, it would be, even if I didn't have a film there, it would be going 
to Cannes and Sundance, just because you never know who you're going to meet. And I'm not saying business comes out of it, but the social aspect and the networking just helps as well. And listening to other people and what their projects are. So I think they would be my top ones. And the Golden State Film Festival is run by a lovely chap and he actually has five festivals around LA. Again, brilliant to go to. You've mentioned um, your movie Pretty Outrageous, which I actually watched on Amazon Prime. <laughs> my 30K. A 30K movie. I want to talk about how, how it actually happened from very beginning to it actually ending on Amazon. Yeah. Well, it's... Um And it's a funny one, that, because I actually would do a few things differently. I mean, I probably do quite a lot differently. I probably wouldn't try and do that story on 30K. Um, and I wouldn't have uh, got somebody else to write it. I actually, now I know how to write and what I'm doing, I need to stick to that myself. Um, I also, I think, I think the concept was the right idea, but I just... I made it too big. I had too many other people in. I think at one stage I had 90 people as extras on one day. Wow. I know. I mean, utterly crazy. And I don't think I even knew that. So I look back now, knowing what I know, think, actually, they're never going to be in the final cut anyway. So either... Um, have less or or structure it in a better way. And and actually having edited it now and having edited seven films, I could now look back at it and go, oh, I wonder if I do that in a slightly different way now I know what's necessary and what's needed. And that kind of takes you back to that film school thing because maybe if I'd gone to film school, I would know this, but maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I'd still be making those same mistakes. Um, but I think the concept was because of Isabella wanting to have her in a film with her friends. Fun, light-hearted, girl band, kids can watch it. Um, it, it it's a, a fun family film. So you had the idea and then you worked with somebody to write it? That's correct, yeah. yeah. What happened next? Did you... Uh, then, then I just got everybody together in LA. All the people that had worked on my first film, I said to them, look, I can't pay you very much, but if you come here, you'll get 10 days in... Hermosa Beach and it'll be fun and uh, you'll get like a holiday would you come along and they all came <laughs> and um, I fed them all you know and I made sure they had a nice time and it was it was like a it was like a summer school because it's amazing how much families pay for their kids to go to summer school and I just said to them do you know what you could either pay x amount to send your child there or x amount and they get a feature <laughs> and they all agreed <laughs> Did you um, did you book a crew? Is there somebody that you like work with all, all the time? All my same people. All the people from that first film, I just brought them back again. And they've just stayed with me. Um, this last film, I was able to keep a couple of people. But a lot of the others now have actually moved on to do different things, which, which happens, obviously. You know, not many people can stay in this industry unless they're actually earning full time. But I, I was able to support them all for a couple of years with all the projects. And they worked for me and we got to know each other and they, they were amazing. So they, they all came in. They all said, yeah, we'll come in. So do you actually shoot the movie yourself or do you have a cameraman? Do you have a director of yeah, photography? Yeah, no, I have my DP, Duncan. Duncan's worked with me on every project, uh, bar one, which actually was something that I just shot here and there was no budget for that one and I wanted to give other people mentoring experience. So I said, let's just do this together. But on every other project, Duncan's done it. And um, he and I speak the same language now. 
you know, eight films in. And we're, we're totally about elevating each other, learning something, improving what we've just shot. So my last thing looks phenomenal. I mean, it's the best thing I've ever shot. And then did you, um, did you hold auditions or were the people no, that you knew? Everybody I knew. I literally put it out there and went, do you want to be in this? Do you want to come and do this? How about this for a day? Can you give yourself, you know, can you come and do this for a bit? Yeah, because uh, 30K, you can't pay anybody. So I, I, it basically was, was over 10 days maximum and everybody just gave their time for free. And did you choose all the locations yourself? Yeah, it was all in Hermosa. Again, what could I get for free? I got someone's garage for free, a house that my crew, uh, cast and crew were staying in. We used that as a location. Um, the beach... I remember we shot something actually on the front of Hermosa Beach and there was this guy who lived in a house and he shouted at us. <laughs> <laughs> so we quickly had to move. From what I remember, there were some aerial shots as well. Yeah, we had a drone. We used a drone for that. Um, I don't use drone as much now, actually, because I kind of feel... I feel like a drone is slightly cheating sometimes unless there's a purpose. It's almost like, let's give a beauty shot because my story is not as good as it should be. Unless there's a real purpose for that drone shot and a drone can be used in the right way. Um, and don't get me wrong, they're, they're stunning shots that you can add to your film. I've got them in the beginning of my film that just screened at, at Golden State Film Festival. So I still love them, but I don't need to use it as much. Got it. And then Amazon. How does that happen? Um, you get the right people that want to uh, be your sales agent and distribute it. And again, that is hard work, connections, constantly listening to other people, who they used, researching online. And these guys are actually friends of the film that Isabella was in originally. And so I contacted them and said, would you be interested? Now, there's a lot of stuff, um, quality control issues and things like that when you have a film that goes up on these platforms. Um, and they were very good and they managed to push this one through because I'm sure there are a million control things that aren't quality control things that aren't right but you just go with it and um and so you find the right people but again that's about networking discussing talking um i've got i've got a load of people that for different films would help me in different ways so you've just mentioned uh, post-production um you edited the movie yourself no i don't edit anything by myself but i'll sit in the edit um so this last one having edited with my editor seven features i've learned an awful lot and uh, my manager who's my mentor actually he helps me uh, hugely with the concept of editing and what i needed and how i can make my small budget films look bigger budget and what i need to do and it's very interesting watching other people's low budget features and seeing the mistakes that they make um because they 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 don't have as an amazing mentor as i do you know so i've learned so much so I don't make those mistakes now when I write it or shoot it. So was the process um, that you went through similar or different with this other movie that, um, this is a very, very long uh, title, let me get it right, The League of Legend Keepers Shadows, which <laughs> I understand is a teen horror movie. That's right. Um, was this process similar or you did it completely differently? No, that was actually a very similar process. So all those first ones were very much same crew, who could I get as cast that I know? What's the most famous name I can get? You know, when you're onto your fourth one, then actually people start believing in you and you can get bigger names. And that's what you do constantly. You just keep building your names up and up. Um, so the process was very similar. Crew, stick them in a house. Let's shoot in that, that house. Let's go local locations. How many days? The same amount of days. Um, 
And there was one bigger location that we used because I really wanted it to be extreme. But what was interesting was I had to repeat that location and we left it already. So we faked it. So it was funny to see how you could actually fake something and yet you think you've spent all this money on something that's important. Uh, but no, I'd say pretty similar other than the budget was, you know, three times as much, four times as much. You've mentioned a few times now this movie that you shot just over the weekend. Yes. I go, Let, let's talk about that. Oh, yes. I'm so proud of it. It's so beautiful. So this is actually my first short. And I'm doing it again totally the wrong way. People start with shorts and go to features. I've gone features to short. But that's because there's a purpose for this. It's actually I'm entering it into the academy. So there's a there are strict guidelines or strict reasons behind it. I, um, I don't believe I can win with a feature yet. You know, Jennifer Aniston isn't my best friend yet, uh, yet. And so this film I wrote based on a true story and I'd met these people at Sundance and they were able to co-produce it with me and therefore the funding was able to be almost non-existent because I did a co-production with a studio, Mercury Pictures, who are incredible. So we shot there, we used their equipment, they're helping me... Um, do my uh, online edit as well. And then my uh, co-producer who I'd met at Sundance, they paid for all the food and crafty and they did all of that and behind the scenes stuff. And then they brought some guys down from Utah to be part of my crew. I brought in some other crew and some new members and, uh, and we were able to shoot that over three days. And I got four incredible cast, incredible cast. And they've done it for pro bono and deferred payment. That's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so, it, you know, it seems like you're on your way to the very top and, you know, having a proper career in Hollywood, which over a course of like three years, that's pretty unheard of. Well, I think what you just said there is, you know, getting to the top is something that I find an interesting concept because to me, the Academy actually, uh, it's a short, you know, win that award, win an Oscar is only my first rung of the ladder. I don't actually look at that as reaching the top. That's just going to help me do what I need to do. And that's why I've decided to just get to the best film festival there is. Because then, as a, as a director, people will recognise my work, see it, understand it. I've got a huge PR campaign that's going to be going out about it because of the subject matter and, um, and the way I shot it. And so that will just help me get up to that next rung. And then it's the journey, You know, that's what we mustn't forget, like coming and doing this podcast. That's something that's really important to me. And I think I worked so hard for three years to get to here because I knew I needed to almost do that to be able to get to this place to now go, ah, oh, now I can direct. Now I'm there. You know, now I can start that first rung. All of this was just learning and learning and getting there and working with it and, and that hard, hardcore aspect of I'm not going to give up. Um... So now that journey, and I've got a book coming out about it, actually, Filmmaking Without Fear, how I made all these films in, in such a short space of time. And looking back and now remembering what that journey is, coming here and going, huh, I'm on a podcast in LA and I'm talking about my film and I've got a film I'm entering into the Academy. This is, this is pretty special, pretty special time for me. So as you progress in your career, what are you finding the biggest challenge? Oh, that's a good question. The biggest challenge, hmm, it's definitely not ideas because I've got too many of them. My head bursts with them. It's not about, uh, some people say that they're, they're, they're um, what do they say? They're worn out with uh, LA. They get burnt out. That's right. No, that's not, that, 
doesn't bother me. I'm I'm filled with excitement and enthusiasm every day when I see that Hollywood sign. You know, I always say I could be sitting in Hollywood traffic and seeing that, or I could on the four or five, or I could be sitting on the M25 in rain. So I know which one I'd prefer to be doing. Um, but the the, mm, the the hardest challenge probably is the usual, which is finding the funding. But that's it's not a challenge. It, it's it's just something that's. If I was starting a business, I'd have to do that. You know, you just have to find the right people and believe in yourself and have the right project and just keep on going. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I never look at anything as a challenge. I think it's just, it's just life. It's this industry. You've mentioned networking as one of the good ways of connecting with people, getting funding. Um, Do you find there are any communities in LA, um, any networking events that aspiring directors should be attending? Well, it's funny because I, I used to train startups in how to network and raise funding and create pitches. And uh, and so I was able to take those skills for myself very easily. I would say that there isn't a single one I would specifically choose. Um, I think it's about being an individual and making your own networking events, actually. Probably would say the ones that I've gone to that are huge networking events aren't particularly useful. Everybody gives out cards. Everybody says we must connect. Everybody says we must be friends. And it just doesn't work like that. So I think it's about what can you do that lets you think outside the box. I actually don't go to many director networking events because why would I want to be in a room with other directors? I need to be going to other places. <laughs> By the way, these secrets are really top secret. Um, so, so yeah, going to going to other spaces and again about the journey. If you're just sitting there, it's like director, director, director. You're not going to meet other people. I've met these people that might fund a film that are a dentist or a doctor or whatever. You know, they want to be part of an industry that's fun and I can give them something and an experience. Um, So, yeah, I, I wouldn't say anything in particular. Sorry. So what does your typical day look like um, when you're not filming? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, currently this morning it's sat, it involved me sitting on the edge of my boat and looking out and going, I love my life. <laughs> But before it was the boat, uh, it was, um, I would, I, I called myself the other day. It was funny, actually. I'd been working all day. So I left the house at 7.30. I got back at about 10. And I uh, said to a friend of mine, I must be the hardest working person in Hollywood who doesn't earn a single penny. So so my day exists, me leaving the house, um, heading into Hollywood, either sitting at the Chateau Marmont, having meeting after meeting after meeting. And, and I mean that genuinely. It's a 10 o'clock, a 12 o'clock, a 2 o'clock, a 4 o'clock, a 6 o'clock, uh, at 8 o'clock, and then I'll head home. That That's literally what I could do for a couple of days. Or it's a day where I decide to stay at home and I will sit in my sweatpants and I will be writing, updating, creating pitches, making phone calls, sending out emails, um, Or a day where maybe I plan to go and sit with my mentor and we write and we work on a project that's happening. And at the moment, if I'm in editing, then that would be different as well. I'll, I'll plan to do a four-hour edit stint and then I'll have meetings. So it's, it, it varies, which I just love. What piece of advice would you give to um, aspiring directors who are just starting out? Something that you have learned and any mistakes that you've made and you could advise them not to make? For definite, it is about being brave enough to shoot something. And I seriously would say, go and shoot it on your iPhone. I really would. If you've got a project that's your baby and you know you need 10 million, just put it to the side. Don't even go there yet. If you've not directed something, 
then you need to get in and direct something. So don't worry about that big project that you really want to work on and this is the one that's going to make it. No, no, write something else. Write something that allows you to go and shoot something on your iPhone with a couple of friends for 10 minutes so that you can actually see what that's like and what you wrote, how that doesn't work or how it doesn't make sense because there is nothing better than that practical experience. And then do the same with the feature. Shoot it on your iPhone, whatever you need to do. Get those friends together, but there is nothing better than practically doing it because to actually do something versus this is what I'd like to do, very, very different. Um, and then it's about editing it, edit it together. I've just learned how to use iMovie and Final Cut. It's so easy. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. And again, you then see those mistakes and nobody needs to know. Um, and, and get it out there, get it up on Amazon, find somebody that would be interested in, in a project like that. Um, but I think it's just about doing it. So many people are scared to do it. And we live in an environment where anything's possible now. You've got all of the apparatus that you need. And then one of the biggest things that I learnt the hard way, because on my first film I was told I didn't need them, was a sound guy. Oh dear, what a huge mistake. And I believed, I was like, oh no, you're right, we don't need a sound guy, we'll just use your son. No, 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 no. Luckily that piece hardly had any sound. Uh, but you need a sound person and a bloody good sound person. Um, so that would be my biggest fear, is that not going right. So get the best you can. And that's all, folks. You can catch us on Instagram and Twitter at LA is good for you. Our podcast is recorded at Rosinante Studios in Delray, recommended for all your low-budget recording and sound editing needs. 